expanding the Nerdosphere, talking on everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Episode 167 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast is so big that we're going to spend it the entire show on one topic. And no, we're not talking about Joel Schumacher apologizing for Batman and Robin. No, we are talking about the biggest week for gamers. It's E3 2017. Yeah, man, of course, let's just dive right into it. Start off with the first conference that kicked everything off, and that being EA, of course, Electronic Arts. We're going to kind of go in order of some of the games that were shown and also we're gonna kind of highlight of course as we do every year you know some things we like we didn't like and of course ea i'm a big sports gamer so ea sports right off the bat they show off the new trailer for madden 18 it's new story mode called the long shot where you take control of a player called devin wade who is a college washout he attends a regional combine and apparently it's gonna be built like a telltale game it's gonna have various endings they have various in-game choices but my big thing is while this does have Oscar and Mahershala Ali in it I don't like the fact that you can't and the same thing goes for FIFA as well and the fact that when these story modes you cannot customize yourself and put yourself in the game like in MLB The Show and NBA 2K yeah and and Lumping all of these together because I think they're all very similar story modes obviously because they're made by the same person uh, well the same company I mean is this why you're buying the game? I mean, I understand you want to do something different. You want to make it a little bit more realistic. I have no problem with that. A, is this why you're buying the game? B, is this where your focus should be? And C, yeah, where is the whole scan yourself into the game thing? Because I know for you, and it would have been for me as well, that's kind of a big selling point, and it should be for a lot of other gamers as well. So I'm just wondering how much those three things should factor in here. Well, that's a big selling point because in, I don't know what year it was, but there was a couple of years in Madden where you could, you know, use your phone to scan your face and put it into the game, go to like some EA website and download it from there, from your system. And of course, release date is October, is August 25th for Madden, NBA Live, you can play in the Drew League and you also play in Street Courts. NBA Live was one of those games where I'm a big 2K fan. I didn't know Live was still a thing because it's been such a terrible game in the past yeah, few years. yeah. And then, of course, FIFA come out September 29th. Its story mode is follows last year's story mode of the journey. It's, this one's called Hunter Returns. So not a whole lot of information given. Apparently, you know, it could be transferred if you're, as you're playing as Alex Hunter. So it could be maybe do you stay in Europe and play in Europe or do you go to the MLS and play in America? It could be something like that. And also FIFA is going to be coming to Nintendo Switch, but it will not have the Frostbite engine or the story mode. I got to tell you, when you see that Frostbite engine, it does look gorgeous. It does look gorgeous, but I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about Nintendo Switch a little bit later on. That's a big win for them, I think. I mean, you get a game like FIFA on Nintendo Switch, you know, you finally start to build up the sports lineup there, like a serious sports lineup, not like, you know, like a typical Wii-type sports game. I think that that's a big get for them. Well, also, you can build that, that third-party, you know, block of your game right. as well. But again, we'll get more on Nintendo afterwards. And anyway, they showed... The trailer for Anthem, but we're going to get more to, about Anthem in the Microsoft thing, because that's where it was really shown. We saw the gameplay. But a game that was, it's one of several EA Originals that are in the works. It's called A Way Out. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is very interesting. Until the head developer came on and said, yeah, this game is 100% 
split screen co-op the entire time you have to play with a friend that killed it for me it's funny my wife was sitting in the room at the time uh when i was watching the conference and i turned to her on with this game and i said what if you have no friends and i was kidding but i was kind of being serious at the same time like i mean you could have friends that just like aren't gamers or don't have the same like you and i don't have the same system so it's not like you and i could sit down and play this game together it's just not possible or right. I, they, they they didn't even discuss you know is this a playstation exclusive an xbox exclusive what if you have an xbox and a playstation can you cross play there and it, to me it's almost like I, I get the whole multiplayer and co-op gaming thing i know that it's popular but at the same time you're ruining what's otherwise a really good idea for a game and a really cool concept by making it co-op only. Right, right because, you know, to your point about what, if you don't have any friends, well, if you don't have friends, you can still play online with somebody. And I will say this, even though I don't like the concept of the it's constantly and it's co-op only, uh, I will say there are some things where, like, I like the fact that you have to kind of watch what you're the person you're playing with does because that could shape out how the game ends and how things turn out because you can do things silently. You can go in guns blazing. Totally. Kind of like with GTA five where you can like say, Hey, do you want to break into a jewelry store using gas mask and knock everybody out? Or do you want to go guns blazing and just shoot everybody up with AKs and right. just steal the cash and, and try to just evade police from there? Release date early 2018 for a way out. It looked interesting, but I have no interest in it because it's just, again, it's a co-op. It's a split screen thing as well. If it was like, oh, it's co-op, but it's not split-screen, I'm like, okay. But then what killed me, too, was when he, the guy was like, oh, well, you know, somebody could be in the middle of a cutscene. You could still be playing. It's like, well, if somebody's in the middle of a cutscene, I want to stop playing right. and watch the cutscene, you they're, know? Yeah, and they're not helping you when they're in a cutscene either. You know, there, there are certain situations. I mean, the beginning of the game, when, like, the guy's being brought into prison, that's fine because there's probably not a whole lot going on. But if you're in the shit... And your boy's in a cutscene. What are you going to do then? Right. You know, there's really nothing that you can do. It's like, hey, I'm getting shot at here, but I hope you're enjoying no. your cutscene. I'm, I'm getting curb stomped over here. I'm getting beat to shit. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm in a cutscene. Fuck! <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the coffee diner cutscene, but I'm over here getting literally cut by some joker over here in an alley. Thanks for all the help. Right. And moving on to another game, of course, Need for Speed Payback was announced as well. Release date for that's November 10th. Story mode, very fur- Fast and Furious-like, very much from the first Fast and Furious. Uh, that's how it seemed. Also, it has a new feature called Relics, where you can find, restore, and customize classic cars. And then, of course, Battlefield 1, you go into that. Uh, some new DLC coming, a new expansion pack titled In the Name of the Tsar was shown, which, of course, revolves around the Eastern Front. It's going to have six new maps, including the Russian Army. It's going to be released in September. And we're getting new maps, of course, this month in July for Battlefield 1. That female death squad looks bad ass. Fuck yeah, it does. I love that part. I love that they're going to be talking about the last Tsar of Russia. I think that this is a perfect way to do a DLC for him. And, you know, we talk a lot about DLCs in the past. I'm sure we'll be talking about them more this year as well. If you're going to do a DLC... Give me something different and give me something that will make it matter. And to pigeonhole in this particular area, I think, was a perfect choice for the makers of Battlefield 1. Well, speaking of DLC, as we dive into this next game, of course, this was the game that everybody was talking about. This was the game that, you know, everybody was demanding various changes to when it came to a sequel. Of course, talking about Star Wars Battlefront 2. All DLC will be free and it will be released 
slowly, which I like because EA is saying, hey, we want you to play this game for a long time. And I can see, honestly, unless you do a Battlefront 3, I could see EA kind of doing what Bethesda does with Fallout, kind of have like new DLC coming just to keep players entertained, keep them playing the game for a long time and possibly you know years on end. I like that. And, of course, uh, Finn and Captain Phasma are going to be playable. And they're actually going to be the first DLC to arrive starting in the holiday season. November 17th is the release date. But here's the thing, too. You have the multiplayer, which a lot of people are, you know, it was a big part of the first game. It was actually the only thing about the first game, basically, yep. was the multiplayer. Players are now divided into classes, which, you know, you can specialize in different abilities and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. But let's talk about this story, this offline campaign New single-player campaign, it bridges the Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens from the Sith's point of view. And I love that, because that's what Star Wars is going to start to do, it seems like, in their cinematic universes as well. They did it with Rogue One. You're bridging gaps now, and that and that is a gap that needs bridging, the gap between the Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. And what better way to do that than to focus on the Sith and everything that happens after the death of Darth Vader and, you know, the Emperor getting chucked down the shaft kind of thing there. And maybe we find out the true, you know, what really happened to the Emperor after he got thrown down there. Maybe we start to get some answers in this game. So if that's what you're going to give me, something like that, or even even a fraction of that, I think would be really cool. You know, I was watching IGN's coverage of E3, and they were talking about Star Wars Battlefront 2, they were talking about, it being from the Sith's point of view, and somebody made the great point of saying, you know, when you watch Return of the Jedi, you see, you know, the Ewoks are celebrating, everybody's dancing on the Rebel side, but you never really see the Sith's point of view. You never see how that affected them and how Return of the Jedi ended affected them. And it looks like the main character you're going to be playing as, or maybe one of the characters, we don't know, it could be be jumping between both sides, we don't know, but from what I was, I've read, from what I've heard, she was somebody who was raised in the Sith and, and kind of raised in that, you know, Federation, if you will, and and saw it as you know true and saw it as a great thing and everything like that. So we're gonna see how that affects her going on, and and who knows, maybe we'll see the rise of the New Order because mm-hmm. again, this is bridges bridges that gap. So yep. maybe we'll see. How that became a thing and stuff like that. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty psyched for Star Wars Battlefront too. Yeah, and you just assume that at the end of Return of the Jedi, well, oh, that's it for the Sith. Good guys won. Yay, let's move on. Well, f- we know that that wasn't the case, but why wasn't that the case? Like you've talked about with prequel movies before. Tell me why. Tell yeah. me why this happened. And really hope that that game does that. And that's going to do it for our discussion of EA's conference at E3 2017. We've got the next. We're talking on everything Microsoft and Bethesda. Stay tuned. This is comic book writer Elliot Rayhall. And Donna Kate. And you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, James, before we dive into Microsoft's 42 games that were shown, of course, 22 were exclusives. Of course, the biggest news they showed off Project Scorpio, and it's actually not Project Scorpio anymore. It's called the Xbox. One X. And I, I heard that, and I know that this is petty of me, but I'm going to get it out of the way anyway. I'm like, really? Really? Xbox One X? You had a cool name, like Project Scorpio, and now you're going to call it Xbox One X. Bravo. Well, here's the thing. It's confusing. Can you, can you, I just got to say, it's Microsoft, I, can't, I think, really just gave parents everywhere a fucking migraine for yes. this. 
Thank with you. this because think about it. Your kid's like, okay, mom, I want an Xbox One X for Christmas. Okay, well, what do you want? An Xbox One X. Oh, well, got mom, you know, Christmas comes, all of a sudden you just go, what is this? Oh, it's an Xbox One S. I want an X. Yeah, like, and you know what parents like, think like, on Black Friday? They go, oh, this is cheaper than I thought it was going to be. And you get that one, and not even sometimes not even realizing that that's not the right one. So again, yeah, you're right. Bravo, you know your alphabet. Maybe you should call the next one something different. Right, but I think if you call it the Xbox, like if you want an Xbox One in there, it's fine. If you want to call it the Xbox One Scorpio, that would have been right. perfect. or call it the Xbox One Next. Anything but just another letter. Come on, guys. Yeah, because you can't really go by numbers at this point because it's just fucked right now, yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's like the fucking Yankees. All the numbers are taken up, so everybody's using, like, the letter A on the back of their jersey and right. shit. <laughs> right, now you have to start using lowercase letters and stuff right. to delineate players <laughs> because you've retired half of your numbers. They're going to be, like, the only thing that's going to be as confusing as Kingdom Hearts fucking titles is going to be in the, right. the titles, the names of Xbox's consoles. Completely. But speaking of price, of course, the launch is November 7th. Five hundred dollars, forty ninety nine actually. Five hundred dollars. It is the smallest console for Xbox ever. It's about half the size of an Xbox One. But here's what I'll say about this. This is something I think Microsoft did really well. Microsoft, they talked about the specifications. Okay, they talked about the six teraflops and the fact that it'll blow you when you turn it on, basically. <laughs> but the thing is, when you really look at it, at the conference, they're like. If you're somebody who's really into gaming, like you have your 4K setup, you have everything, this is for people who really want that upgrade. Right. If you don't want the upgrade, you don't have to buy it. But if you really want to throw in another 500 or even trade in your Xbox One or Xbox One S towards this to get some more credit, where you get a couple hundred dollars taken off the price, feel free to do so. It, it, it felt like, which I loved, is that they didn't feel like people were forced to buy this. Yeah, I, I kind of got that impression, too, is that it's like, hey, if you want that 4K upgrade and you've got the 4K TV and you're all in, then here's what we've got for you. But if you're not there yet and you still want to wait a little bit, you also have that option, too. So it's not like like when you went from a PS3 to a PS4, it's like, well, you know, you better start, uh, you better buy that PS4 fast because you're going to be screwed in a couple of months just to <laughs> let you know. No, this is almost like an easy transition. And with a $500 price tag, I think it's really cool that you have that option of an easy transition because let's face it. It took a while for everybody to get an HD TV in their home, and now it's going to take everybody a while to get a 4K TV in their home. Even cable companies haven't really caught up to 4K completely yet. So, you know, not everybody's going to be an early adopter of 4K, but I do like that Microsoft's at least trying to be ahead of the game, no pun intended. And, of course, speaking of, of consoles and games, you know, a lot of their games are going to be getting 4K updates for free. And also, speaking of consoles, backwards compatibility is now extended to first-generation Xbox games as well which, of course, includes Crimson Skies. And I like this, man. You have now all, at least most of the library is going to be open for play. And that's your selling point. I'm telling you right now, that's going to make a difference eventually. Maybe not now, but in a couple years, three years, and we'll get into this when we talk about Sony a little bit later on. This is going to matter eventually because people love playing their older games, the Nintendo generation especially. But now that, you know, the Xbox, original Xbox generation is starting to get a little bit older and that nostalgia is going to start creeping in a little bit. Yeah, this is eventually going to matter. And if you're telling me 
I buy a new system, but I don't have to pretty much use the rest of my games that I have for my old system as coasters. I like that. And moving on to the games, of course, 22 of the titles are exclusives, but here's the thing, which is weird, that a lot of them turn out to be launch exclusives, so of course those mean time exclusives. So after that year or so passes, they're going to be available for other consoles as well, but of course you have the main thing, which I think is going to probably, you'll see in a bundle with Xbox One X, uh, Forza Motorsport 7. Over 700 cars to choose from. They showed off the new Porsche 911 GT2 RS, which is going to be the flagship car of the game. It looks gorgeous, of course. Then you move on to Metro Exodus, which looks pretty awesome. Of course, it's a post-apocalyptic FPS. Release date 2018 on that. I like that because, it, it, I mean, we've got a lot of those games. I think, granted, we might eventually start to get a little bit a little bit tired of games like this because there seems to be a lot of them right now. But this one, I don't know, it just felt different. I, felt, I thought the gameplay looked good. I thought the environment looked good. I like how it was had like that kind of sn- that snowy atmosphere kind of thing a little bit. I thought that the monsters themselves looked good. I liked that it didn't seem too zombie-ish which we're getting a lot of, too. So I, I, I'm interested to get a little bit more information on this game as, as we get closer to the release date and find out exactly you know, what the story is and all that stuff. I like they also didn't have too much of a Fallout feeling as well. Yeah, even exactly. Though, even though it's post-apocalyptic, it didn't have that Fallout feel that you know comes with those types of games. Assassin's Creed Origins, we're going to talk about that going into our Ubisoft segment, so stay tuned for that. Uh, of course, you have Player Unknown Battlegrounds, which is a PC game that's out, I believe, right now. It's going to be getting a console launch exclusively on Xbox One. We saw State of Decay 2, which, of course, has a release date of spring 2018. Some A new thing in there, I believe it's a new thing. I didn't play the first game. Uh, you have to make choices now where if somebody gets bitten by a zombie, you can choose where to cure or kill them. They could change things out. And I kind of like it because in horror games, I know, especially in Resident Evil 7, there are some choices you make that determine the outlook of the game and how the game ends so we'll see you know whether james gets an xbox or whomever has an xbox for this we'll see what the ending and how that affects going forward a game i'm really excited for man dragon ball fighters two and a half d fighter game from arc system works it's a studio behind guilty gear xrd games three versus three bouts which at least it's 2018 i've played all the most of the dragon ball fighters and a lot of them felt very standard to me. When I played a lot of them, there was, if they felt very easy, they felt very not a whole lot was to them. I do like that this one, it has that re- actual look of the show, which is great. Mm-hmm. And also I like that the worlds, at least the backgrounds, look destructible, which is great. Not only that, but when I first saw this, first of all, I knew you weren't going to be okay. Second of all, I knew <laughs> that it had that very arcade yeah. Marvel versus Capcom feel. And I'm like, okay, if this is how we're going to start doing fighters now, especially for something like Dragon Ball Z, this, I mean, you want to talk about doing it right for the fans. This seems like, at least on the surface so far, that this is something that they're doing right and maybe listening to a little bit of feedback and making it look... I've always said and stuff like this, if you're going to do it, make it look like the show. Make it look like what people recognize. And damn if right. they didn't do that to a T. Exactly. Of course, one of the games that people were very excited about, of course, you know, you and I are big Rare fans. Sea of Thieves, of course, the Sherald World Pirate MMO from Rare it was shown. And I just got to say this, man. Very vibrant colors. And the fact you can shoot yourself out of a cannon and go deep sea diving and you can you know, you look out for sharks and stuff like that, too. Really cool. I got to say, I think it was one of the more funnier demos we've had 
uh, from E3 in a while. I love this game because you get that sense of adventure. The gameplay looks great, and it just feels fun. We need games that are fun. We talk about this with comics all the time. You know, it can be serious, serious, serious so much, but then it's like, you know what? I, I just want to have fun and go go find some loot and, and run away from sharks in the water and stuff. Let, let you know, let me pop in Sea of Thieves and play a little bit. It, it's that kind of game, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It just looks like a very neat game, and there's a there's a whole opposite side of the spectrum that we'll be talking about with the Ubisoft conference coming up. But I mean, for a pirate game, I mean, I'm in for that already. But you give me something fun, and like you said, a really funny demo, and give it that fun aspect, I'm in. Exactly, man. Of course, you know, a game that. Looks fun, but what has been fun is waiting for the goddamn thing to come out. It's Cuphead, and we actually have a release date. Maybe it'll stick to it this time. I don't know. It's the September 29th, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's like, okay, we don't have money, so we got to do this. Oh, wait, now we have money, so we could do this. Oh, wait, no, okay. All right. At this point, you've built up so much hype. People just want to play your damn game, okay? Well, here's I don't the think thing. they care what it's going to be. Well, here's the thing is, you know, it started off as like this boss simulator, basically. And then it grew into, oh, it's going to be this whole world. And then it's going to have a story. It's going to have, you know, so they, they grew onto it, as you alluded to with the whole money thing. And now it's like, okay, just give us the goddamn game. Give me game. the damn game already. God. <laughs> Speaking of giving us a damn game, Crackdown 3 is going to be released November 7th. Again, I see that it could be a possible Xbox One bundle. With Forza, who knows, maybe you'll do what Xbox did with uh, Jet Set Radio Future, and there was a racing game back then as well. It was a kind of dual disc. You had two games in one thing, so maybe they'll do that, which would be pretty cool. Uh, fully destructible world. I like the fact that it had the cel-shaded look, and it just looks totally fun. And then you crank it up with Terry Crews and that, that hype atmosphere. I love that, man. I just love that. It's again. It looks it looks fun, and with the fully destructible world, that was the other thing that really caught my eye too. Is like, okay, so you're accountable for everything around you, kind of thing, and you can use everything around you. And I think that that's a really good selling point. And I think that the Crackdown games have always kind of interested me because of that reason. And it's and it's that you don't really know what's going to happen aspect that I really like about it too. Yeah, and I think that's something that really pumped up Microsoft for me a lot this year. Was the fact that, of course, the whole I, I like indie games a lot. So the fact that they showed off a bunch of new indie game titles, and now it's going to bring their idea at Xbox stuff to over 500 titles, which is pretty awesome. There's actually a game I I forget the name, but it it looked awesome because you have like this 3D world, but it has like very 8-bit, 16-bit. Last night. That's what I it's think called. It was the last night, yeah, because I that I wrote that one down too. I was like, "Ooh, eight bit," but you're giving me three D as well. I, you want to mix those two worlds for me? Okay, I like that. All right, yeah, because I mean that's that's the thing, man. That's one of the indie games I'm like I looked forward to the most. And then of course you have Ori: Wind and the Wisp, which looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, for people who are fans of Life is Strange, you're beginning a sequel to that. Of course, it's a prequel. Life is Strange will be released August 31st, called Before the Storm, mm-hmm. and you know, we got a little bit of Anthem as well, mix of Horizon Destiny, man. This was the big thing that we saw from Bioware. I got to tell you, you know, you see them climbing in the suits and then you get that game. You finally got the gameplay after the tease. We had an EA where they're going to, to explore, explore what almost looked like a, a, a sideways black hole kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is very interesting. And again, this is going to be one of those games where... Once we start getting a little bit closer, you find out the, the where, the what, and the why a little bit more than you get your first look here at, at E3. So I think if you give me a good story, 
based on this, then I think this is what everybody was kind of hoping Titanfall would be. Yeah. This kind of a level, but Titanfall, I don't think ever really reached that level, even though some people liked it, some people played it. I think Anthem is that attempt to do Titanfall right this time. So overall, before we went to Bethesda, Microsoft, they improved or they stay where they were last year for you? I gotta be honest. I mean, I I thought that they improved a lot more than I expected them to. I mean, I I think that, you know, you kind of blew your hype with Project Scorpio last year because, you know, an Xbox One X because, you know, you released the specs last year. The only thing really new that we found out was the liquid cooling system, which I think is a good idea. But, I mean, you look at how they, they tried to get something for every gamer. I mean, you had Super Lucky's Tale, which is more of like a child title, and that really had a, a Sonic type of feel to it. You know, they, they're upping Minecraft. I don't know why you need Minecraft in 4K, but, hey, if that excites you, they, they up the ante on that. So, <laughs> I, And the backwards compatibility, I know maybe I beat this drum a little bit too much, but I think that that's going to be a huge, huge deal. And the fact that you've got your next-gen console coming out and you're not leaving previous-gen people behind, I think that they are definitely trending in the right direction, and I thought that their selection of games overall much better than last year. You know, I saw the beginning of Lucky's Tale, and you see the tail kind of go off the screen. I'm like, my first thought was, oh, fuck, are they doing a new Conquer game? Because yeah, if, if yeah. I'm like, oh, please tell me they're doing a new Conquer game because that would have been great. But, yeah, it, it looked great. I think that, you know, I think Microsoft improved a lot from le- this year to le- then from last year. Uh, there was a lot of improvement. I will say this, though. There weren't a lot of games that made me look at it as if, like, oh, I made the wrong decision in getting a PS4 instead of an True. Xbox One. True. There wasn't really that one game that stood out that made me feel regretful in not getting an Xbox One. But overall, I think that Microsoft took a major step forward this year. And, you know, speaking of step forward, somebody that took a fucking big step back this year, Bethesda. And I will just say this before we get into the games. Bethesda, when you next time you want to make your fucking conference at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, make sure you bring some new fucking titles. I realize that West Coast bias is a thing. I really do, okay? Especially when you're in L.A. and that's where E3 is. But I said this to you. We we always text back and forth for these things. And I said, dude, I'm not looking forward to this. And you said, why? I said, you know why? I said, I I just don't feel like that there's going to be a lot that we're going to get shown. I said, I'm worried we're just going to get a bunch of DLCs and sequels and that's it. And then what do we have an hour later? A bunch of sequels sequels and fucking DLCs. Yeah, man, of course, everybody going to this. This is why I was kind of like, I have a little bit of hope because they might show Starfield, you know, and we didn't get Starfield. What did we get? We got Fallout 4 VR, goody. We got Elder Scrolls Legends Heroes of Skyrim expansion, awesome. We got Dishonored, Death of the Outsider, fucking great. You know, and then Evil Within 2, which I will say looks good, and then Wolfenstein Colossus, which looks great too. So, I mean, like, out of that whole fucking thing, I'm like, okay, there's, like, two games I want to get, which, of course, is Evil Within 2 and Wolfenstein. You know, and I texted you this when we were, you know, doing our notes, and I said, you know, I go, did you know that the last time I believe that they had an original IP was Dishonored back in, like, 2012 or something like that? Right, and you know what? You had a year to, to give us something different, okay? I was looking through, you know, you have those on this day Facebook things that they have now. Yeah. The one that I posted from last year talking about how much Bethesda killed it. And to flush that momentum down the toilet right. later is ridiculous to me. I mean, you can't give me something, some sort of, of original, one, I only wanted one, one original game, one original IP that's all you had to do 
And you couldn't even do that right. Oh, great. So you're going to go all in with with VR for Doom and Skyrim and all that stuff. Great. You've got a nice Quake championship at QuakeCon, which I didn't know was a thing until E3. You're going to do that and give away a million bucks. Awesome. That's great. What are you giving me that's new? Because even within two, I'll agree, it did look, it did look good. It looked creepy. That's fine. And then Wolfenstein 2, I'm honest. I'm going to be honest, dude. You know how you said you've got Death Star fatigue? I've got Nazi fatigue, man. I mean, it's, it's just, <laughs> there's too much, man. I understand it. And I'm so glad that's why Wonder Woman was World War One, not World War II. <laughs> because I was just like, come on, every time I see, every time I see the Nazi symbol now, I'm like, ah, oh, really? We couldn't have gone anywhere else. Come on. <laughs> so it's not that the game doesn't look good. I'm not saying that at all because it's definitely got a lot of cool factor. But it's like, Ah, oh, Nazis again. Oh, man. I mean, that's your big kicker. I mean, I'll say this. Uh, Wolfenstein Colossus to me looks interesting because it's the alternate timeline of what would happen if the Access powers won World War II. And I, and I get that. I get that. So I, that's what intrigues me most. But what intrigues me about Bethesda, this is, it's not a good thing. It's more just an intriguing thing, is that Evil Within 2 has a release date of October 13th. Wolfenstein Colossus has a release date of October 27th. They're, they're releasing two games in one month. Yeah, and that and that's kind of blowing your load, isn't it? In a, in a little bit, especially since you didn't really bring much to your conference. You're going to release two games. And, hey, and I know that one of their sticking points was, hey, the, the stuff that you're going to see, you'll be able to play it this year. Okay, bravo. But at the same time, I'm looking at it and I'm going, so you, you're going to expect gamers to come up with 120 bucks plus in one month. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. But, you know, overall, I think Bethesda just really dropped the ball this year. It, it was just, again, when you see, like, oh, they were supposed to have it earlier. It was supposed to be, like, 9 p.m. Eastern or whatever we, originally, and then apparently it got pushed back to midnight, and we're just like, Okay, you're pushing it back. There better be something good. There was no passion to this at all. You're just showing. You're just showing trailers and your little can animated say that? Bethesda land. Can I just say that uh, this whole E3 thing? One thing I was kind of disappointed in was the fact that yeah, we got a lot of trailers and stuff like that shown for games. I really there, did. You notice there was an absentee of people coming out on stage and talking about games. You know what's funny? One of the things I remembered vividly from from one E three was the guy that was talking about was talking about Unravel. Oh and, yeah, and Yarny comes out and he's crying, he's nervous, and he's like, "I can't believe that this is finally happening." And I still I still remember that there was none of that this year. Almost, almost there was there was one game that, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. And we won't we won't blow that <laughs> reveal right here. But there was one game in the Ubisoft conference. That that did happen, but overall, man, you're right. Not a whole lot of here's the developer talking about the game. Here's the in-depth look from the person right here on the stage. There wasn't. I can't think of one gameplay live stage demo. They cut away to places to do live demos, but you know how they in the past they've had. Okay, we're gonna demo it right here on stage. I don't remember them doing that. Anybody? Yeah. And also, one thing I want to point before we move on to our next couple conferences. Uh, I believe this was actually the first E3 in a while where we didn't have, in terms of Microsoft, a trailer for some sort of Halo game or a Gears game. And thanks for that, too, by the way. Yeah, I'm, not yeah. being, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being absolutely No, it's just, it's just thanks for doing that and kind of moving on for some new titles and just some, you know, giving some new things sequels, basically. But And that's going to do it for our coverage of Microsoft's 
and Bethesda's conferences at E3 2017. But come up next, we'll be looking at the world of Ubisoft and the world of Sony next. This is Abby Darkstar, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. All right, gamers, our coverage of E3 2017 continues with somebody that Nick, I think, hit it way out of the park this year, and that was Ubisoft. Yeah, man, and of course, the first thing they did was they announced their partnership with Nintendo for Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, and I love that Shigeru Miyamoto basically told Ubisoft, listen, do whatever you want with this Mario game, but whatever you do, you cannot make him jump, because that's basically my thing. I like that. I like that they kind of made this more of a tactical, kid-friendly version of XCOM. Now, I will say this, I hate the Rabbids with a fiery fucking passion. To me, they are the minions of video games, basically. Yes, they absolutely (laughs) are. They're fucking annoying. And, of course, the release date for this is August 29th. But, I mean, hey, this is another, you know, crossover we'd never really expected to see. Right. It's, big again, big win for Nintendo Switch and also something you're giving gamers something different, especially the young gamers. We, we complain about that all the time. Give, give us something different. And this is something different. Like you said, you've got that tactical aspect, and we got a lot of good gameplay from it. It looks like it definitely has... A lot of fun. It looks like it'll be a, a lot of laughs. I mean, especially for younger kids. I mean, for for us, probably not so much. But if you're younger, you know, you've got to get kids into gaming somehow. And this might be, you know, once you reach a, reach a certain age, you, you start with this, and then you move forward, and then before you know it, you know, you're sitting next to your kid playing Spider Man on PS4. Can I just say one of the coolest moments from that part of the conference was when Miyamoto was talking about the guy, the head developer for this game, and how great he he is and just stuff like that. And he had that kind of senpai notice me moment. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was amazing. I mean, I mean, can you even imagine that, man? A fucking legend like Shigeru Miyamoto just standing on E3 stage talking about your game and you as developer. That's like the ultimate compliment man it's like the ultimate fucking dream right there and walking out with literal props from the game which i thought was a that was a huge eye-catching moment that a lot of conferences didn't do it was like hey here's a prop that's literally going to be in the game want to hold it yes i do <laughs> you know and that's how you get people's attention to get people to remember your conference yeah man of course let's move on to of course one of the biggest titles that was part of this conference was assassin's creed origins now of course on friday Images leaked that, hey, this is what the new Assassin's Creed game is going to be. It's going to take place in ancient Egypt, which is something that we fucking called like a month ago or whatever. Yes, we did. (laughs) Yes, and thank you, by the way, because this is exactly, exactly what we needed from Assassin's Creed. If there was ever a franchise that needed a little bit of breath of fresh air and a breath of life in it, it was Assassin's Creed. And that's exactly what this is going to do. Take us to ancient, ancient Egypt. You didn't even have to call it Assassin's Creed Origins, but I think it's cool that you did. So take us back to ancient Egypt. Let's go all the way back and do something different. Because we, when we talked about this before, there is almost an endless amount of possibilities of what you could do here. Yeah, and I just want to say this. That's something I'm happy about. The fact that this is called Assassin's Creed Origins. So basically this is the beginning of of everything and how everything was formed. But what I also liked, and you mentioned it, you know, they took a year break off. They took up, you know, because everybody, even I think people at Ubisoft even said that they're getting Creed fatigue, if you will, you know, where they're just every year posting out a new game and people are like, 
okay, you know, whatever. And people weren't buying the games because people were just fatigued out of it. So what they do? Okay, we're going to take a year or so off and from releasing a new game. Because this game, I believe, was in development for like the past three years. Yep. And that what they do? Okay, we're going to come out with a new game. We're going to take, you know, make this bi-yearly. If you want to do like a bi-yearly or kind of like every couple of years, new Assassin's Creed, do that. Spend as much time as you need developing the game, making it perfect. Don't make it as buggy as fucking Unity was, where people's faces were missing and all that other shit. But uh, no, I like the fact that you also you, know, you play a guy whose name is Bayek. And I, what I liked about this too is that this does resol- revolve around the whole Pharaohs thing, but there's also that little superficial, you know, supernatural element to it because you see at the end of the trailer he's fighting this big basilisk. Yep, and so. I like that this Assassin's Creed game, from what uh, Ubisoft has said, is that they want to make it more kind of boss battle-centric, which I like. By having a certain boss battles in certain areas, you are basically making every level, every, I think, place you walk into mean more because there's a payoff of facing this person at the end or this thing at the end. Also, I like the fact that this is ancient Egypt, so I'm just going to go you know, surfing down pyramids and going inside tombs and just getting shit, you know? Yeah, and wandering the desert, not knowing what you might run into. That's the other thing, because they also said in this game that the wildlife will play a factor in this game, and you can actually use the volatile wildlife to your advantage or disadvantage in this game. So, I mean, you're talking hippos and all kinds of crazy stuff and lions that could become a factor in your gameplay. And I love that that is an environmental factor that I think is going to be huge in this game. Yeah, man. I mean, you have the whole, you know, animal versus animal thing and, you know, you can use that, that can work for you or against you, which would be great. And, but again, man, when I saw the trailer, fucking Bayek just surfing down a fucking pyramid. Yep. I'm like, Fuck yes. And what about that <laughs> Hawkeye site, too? I like that. Send I know, a hawk man. ahead. Yes, let's do that. Yeah, man. Of course, you know, going into another game, we saw the Crew 2, which has all of motocross involved, cars, planes, boats, etc. Early 2018 release date. South Park, the Fractured Butthole. No new info about that, but of course, the game's going to be released on October 17th. There is a new mobile game, which is it looks to be kind of based or built kind of like Stick of Truth and Fractured Butthole called Phone Destroyer because basically just from the trailer it's cowboys versus basically everything else I mean there's like knights princesses the Dallas Cowboys you know <laughs> you know so I mean it'd be interesting to see what that is going for I think I know you personally you're gonna be more interested in that than, than I am uh, going to the VR thing, got a little bit of a look at Transference, which is a VR game where you enter people's consciousness. Uh, but another game that I think caught your eyes' attention until something was mentioned, or something we found out, Skull and Bones. Because, like, oh, cool, this is made by the people behind the Black Flag fighting system. And, oh, awesome, it's, you know, ship battles and pirates and stuff like that. Oh, wait, it's going to be built like For Honor where it's multiplayer only? Oh, God. I really hope that that turns out not to be the case because I'm thinking, oh, we're going to be able to go on all these epic pirate missions and stuff like that, and you might encounter other pirates, and then you've got a battle and all that stuff, and it's all about the loot, and that's the way it should be for pirate games and all the places we could explore. 
and now you're telling me it's online only, and oh, let's check out the PvP, and I'm like, no, no, come on, it looked so awesome, and it, I guess it doesn't mean that it won't be, but oh, it's, it's just, you, you, you kind of, you built me up only to let me down here, come on. Yeah, of course, but something I did like about the game though is that each person controls a different ship and the fleet, and they, of course, eat different ships, play different roles. This is a fall of 2018 release date, so we want to see how this pans out, because again, the the fighting just looks fantastic, because of course, it's from a team that was behind Black Flag, and of course, it's being developed by uh, Ubisoft Singapore, so, you know, you're in the Indian, you're in the Indian Ocean, you're going off all these great battles... You know, if it was just PvP, but it had, like, a, a quest mode where you, you and your people could go on quests, like, or, or kind of, like, boat races, if you will. Like, you and this other team are trying to find the Fountain of Youth or whatever. Right. You, and whoever gets there first wins. And along the way, you meet up and you, you know, you're racing. So it's kind of like, you know, Speed Racer in a sense where you have, you know, sh- ships shooting cans at each other, people jumping over swinging over from one ship to another and stuff like that. So I would love that, you know, kind of like a rat race type of a deal. That would be something that would really interest me more in this game. Exactly, and I, I just I just wish there was a story mode for this game. It doesn't seem like there's going to be. Again, it looks amazing, but one of the and, – and so did For Honor, though, at the time. We loved that game at the time, and then you find out more information on it. It's like, ah, oh, why did it have to be that? So – so maybe we'll get some sort of a DLC at some point or something. I don't know. I, I just hope that this game plays as good as it looks because it was probably one of the best-looking games at E3. And, of course, speaking of DLC, Steep is getting the Road to Olympics DLC. And then there was another game which I at first looked interesting to me, but then I looked around the stratosphere of gaming, and I'm kind of like, is do we really need another one of these? I'm talking about Starlink Battle for Atlas. And the reason why I'm saying do we need another one of these is it's one of those games where you can build your own ship and it sits on your controller. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Disney Infinity is going away, or it, ha- or, is go- or it has gone away. You have Amiibos. You have Lego Dimensions. Do we, you know, is there enough, is there room for another game for, where you have to purchase things? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. outside the game. You know, and again, it's you know, if you're playing a game and you have this thing, this ship that's sitting on your controller, uh, how awkward is that going to be? You know, and it's it's just one of those things where it's kind of like, is it a bit too late for Starlink at this point? And what if my kid knocks my ship off my freaking <laughs> right. controller? You know, is is my ship going to crash? I don't know. You know, I don't know what what's, what's really going to happen. And maybe that's maybe that's my problem and not theirs. I get that, but but at the same time, you're right. Do do we really need this and maybe that's why we didn't see Starfield from Bethesda. I don't know. Maybe because they figured the same thing. Not that it would be, you know, along that same lines. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, it's it's hard to invest in games already, and now you're going to invest even more and in having to build stuff. And I get the the cool shelf factor. You know, you can display it and all that stuff. But it's like, okay, once you get sick of the game, too, are you really gonna want to? Have that sitting there on yourself? Probably not, unless you loved the game. So, unless there's a deep love for something like this, like Amiibos, at least it's Mario. You know, you can have Mario sitting on the shelf. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's like you haven't built the foundation to be able to do this yet. So, I don't know why you do it now. And then moving on to another game, which I'm excited for. I believe you're excited for as well. 
Far Cry 5. And I will say this, we got some a good amount of gameplay shown. Of course, the head dev talked about how they went to Montana for research for this game. And I liked how he talked about how you know a lot of people in this game are kind of built around the people that they met in Montana where they didn't trust them. They saw them as outsiders. They were very to themselves, if you will, in terms of close-knit community. They didn't really talk to them much. Uh, I do like that you can utilize different companions, including a dog. You also have humans that yep. looks like you can team up with, which kind of have like different specifications. So like somebody can be a sniper and be part of a mission. You're like, okay, go up to this water tower and snipe these people. I'll go down and you know clean up at the bottom with a handgun or whatever. That's gonna be pretty awesome. Also, I do like which is really important because you know when you're dealing with a story like this where a town gets taken over, it's kind of, wait a minute, there's 911, there's phones. Why is this a problem? Well, as they said, there are no phone services. Uh, they've been disconnected. Roads are blocked. And you're basically fighting to reclaim this, the town and possibly just escape the fictional Hope County, Montana. Release date, February 27th of next year. I think that bringing it to the homeland and not having it on an island or in the Himalayas, I think this really I grounds the game, I think, a lot to a certain sense. But I just – the fact that you're bringing it to, you know, Montana, you're bringing it to America, I think really emphasizes a, a big thing. And I think it makes the story even more uh, interesting for me. I'm more excited about the story. And I think that having it be a very heavily mercenary-based is very, very interesting. And, you know, with mercenaries, you never know. With mercenaries, and that's the thing that can make the game interesting is how loyal are they really kind of thing, you know? So that that could play a factor in the story as well, and I think the setting was very cool. I think that uh, that the that what they showed for the for the gameplay so far in the trailer very very cool. So it'd be interesting to see how much of this is cutscenes though, and how much of this is playability. I think that will that will be a factor because I think that you definitely want the cutscenes to, to, to push it forward, but if you get too much, I feel like it could be bogged down, and that's been the problem with some games in the past. And, of course, the Ubisoft conference ended with, God damn it, is there, like, can we go a week where I don't talk about how I cried watching something? Because <laughs> it's just no. never going to end. It's it's just going to be a, a, a recurring thing. It's going to be like Nick's crying corner, basically, and I'm just going to talk about something sad and depressing. <laughs> <laughs> or something, or how something made me so happy to the point I cried. But finally, after almost 15 years since the first game, we are getting a Beyond Good and Evil 2. And the game is a prequel, but I don't give a shit. I want a new Beyond Good and Evil. The last time you were able to play a Beyond Good and Evil was on PS2. Yeah. That's two people. Okay. So I was in I was in high school at that time. You were practically in utero at that time. At that that's, <laughs> well, that's how God, that's how long not, it's been. Hey, I'm not that fucking young, okay? And I'm not that old either, so shut up. <laughs> but that's how long it's been, you know, and that's why people have been clamoring for this game forever. And yes, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It looks like it's gonna be a huge fun thrill ride type of game. I'm just worried, man. Then it's going to take even longer. I don't want this to be Last Guardian again. You know, I don't want to see this at E3 every year. I'm really hoping, and it seems like everybody's very passionate about this project. You had the developer come out there in tears and everything like that saying, yes, finally, this is actually finally happening. So it's like, okay, we're excited, we're happy, don't tease us now. I don't want to see you back here at E3 without a release date next year. So so don't do this to us. I mean, get it right. 
but but don't do this to us because because you dangled the carrot. Now, now I'm gonna want a bite eventually. Oh man, I'm almost fucking thirty. God damn it! So <laughs> no, but I like the fact that this looks like you do have some chase elements in there. Of course, it was a theatrical trailer, so we can't really guess what the gameplay is going to be like. But I like the fact that you can just jump around and jetpack around. It looks like right. and and it looks just looks fun. Just give me a. A game where I can really truly explore and just have fun, and I'm just—I will say this—I've probably watched the trailer like six times because it's now nah, I haven't cried every time. I only cried the first time. Again, it was more just, just the out first excitement. six times. That's okay. It's just the first oh, six times. Go fuck yourself, <laughs> you ass. Why don't well, you go? Why don't you go cry in your Batman capes? Check our Twitter feed. See how many times Nick Nick's Nick's been talking about crying on Twitter. I am just a very emotional man who likes to get touch with his emotions, and I don't yes, hide it. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh, at least you're not like a dad from the seventies and just tells me to go fucking like man up and shit. That is true. I'm not telling you to go sit in the corner and and do and do something that uh, that's very. Stop your crying. Like go get a job. Be a man. <laughs> Here, have a beer. <laughs> Put some hair on your chest. <laughs> I'm Italian. I have lots of hair on my chest. So yeah. I don't need a fucking. Car. Yeah. But no, I, I'm excited for this man, and I think E3 or uh, Ubisoft really killed it this year, and I think that they're one of my top conferences this year. And moving on to the conference that was later that night, of course, Sony, and we got to look at Hidden Agenda, which is of course the new game from Until Dawn Dev, super massive games. Uh, show off a new PlayLink system, which turns phones into makeshift PS4 controllers. Uh, the game is a crime thriller that surrounds a serial killer named the Trapper. I will say this. I want Until Dawn 2, goddammit. Like, I would like a new game from Supermassive, but Until Dawn was so good, especially with the way the ending is, it, it, it warrants a fucking sequel at this point. Yeah, I'm not even sure I have much to add to that. I totally agree that that's exactly what we need to do. And, I mean, from there, it was like Sony was said, hey, so thanks for coming. Here's 60 trailers for you to enjoy all along the way. So, I mean, that's what I didn't expect, because Sony... Every year, you know, they, 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 they always bring it. They always give us so many different things during their conference. There's a lot of wow factor. There's a lot of pageantry. And then this year it was just, hey, I'm going to talk for two minutes. Then I'm going to leave and play you 60 trailers. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say this. You know, speaking of the main trailers we got, we got a trailer for Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which is $40 DLC, which takes place after Uncharted 4, which of course, follows two of my favorite characters, Chloe and Aideen, which Aideen, I think, was so underused in Uncharted 4. But they're looking for a bow and a bow and arrow and axe and a trident that's tied to the battle of the Hindu legend that's going to lead them to the Tusk of Ganesh. So I'm excited for that. Uh, 40 bucks. I think that I, I want to see how long this game's going to be. If it's going to be six to eight hours, okay. But if it could be, if it could have just been thirty dollars, maybe twenty five, then yeah. then okay. Because this is a standalone game, so it's not like oh, it's just DLC that you know it's going to be twenty minutes. It's not going to be like Batman Arkham Knight DLC, which is like ten twenty minutes of gameplay, and that's it. You know, th- this is a probably from what I've heard going to be maybe like a six hour, eight hour event kind of game. Right. So. In a sense, it's kind of like, okay, but still, in the end, it's not a lot of gameplay. It's six to eight hours compared to most standards. It could have been like 35 could have been 30 bucks. Well, by comparison, the, the Dishonored uh, DLC that we were talking about earlier that also kind of feels like a new game, that's 30 
So, so it's a little bit cheaper. I know it's not like markedly cheaper or anything like that, but at the same time, it, it feels like you, you feel a little bit better about buying it because it's a little bit cheaper, but I agree with you, man. I think 30 bucks is pretty steep. At least this, I mean, I will say at least this feels like a new game, so it feels like you're getting something, and, and in a lot of respects, it is a new game. But yeah, if this is if this is the way DLCs are going, man, ah, oh, that's that's scary. Yeah, that's that's really scary. Of course, release date for that is, is August twenty second. Uh, speaking of DLC, Horizon Zero Dawn has new DLC, which is going to launch in late twenty seventeen, which looks to center around what looks to be a new Ice Age. And then we we also got Days Gone from Ben Studios, and it showed off more gameplay. Of course, last year was a whole running from zombies and shooting them and going through what appears to be a mill and stuff like that and escaping them. This showed off more of the stealth and the trap setting gameplay which looked pretty cool uh quick time events galore basically i know you're somebody who there's two things you're tired of well three things uh one of them got canceled uh castle (laughs) (laughs) nazis and fucking zombies yeah but at least with this game with this particular gameplay that they showed the trap element that's what you mentioned I like that element. At least if you're going to do something, give me something like this that's a little bit different where there is a trap element and you can actually use them to your advantage against somebody else that you're trying to target. And that, and in this particular case, he was targeting a particular individual, so he used the zombies to his advantage. So at least you're giving me that. You're giving me something a little bit different. Still, zombie fatigue, while I'd probably play this game likely not, even though it does look kind of cool, but, you know, the zombie fatigue, it's hard for me to get past that. Yeah, man, I hear you. Of course, we got to look at Monster Hunter World, uh, which releases in early 2018, and instead of hunting down, you know, fancy-like creatures like, you know, we're used to, it looks like you're going to be hunting down dinosaurs. So when I first saw this, I'm not going to lie, my first thought was, not Monster Hunter. I thought, oh, are we getting a new Turok game. But that's I'm like, wait, exactly what I thought. But then I'm like, wait a minute, that's not that's that's rare, I believe. So and rare is Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So no. <laughs> but <laughs> still, it made you wonder for a second. Oh yeah, it's exactly what I thought. Oh yeah, of course, Shadow Colossus Remastered is going to come out in 2018. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we got to look at Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. We got to look at the more you know theatrical story trailer. And judging by who's in it, it looks to be the biggest uh, roster in any of these Marvel vs. Capcom games. Yeah, and there was very much a a Thanos element that I thought was really cool in there, that Thanos actually has to help the Avengers in this sense, and 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 the heroes from Capcom, which I thought was a very interesting little take, and I think that that's something that will probably push the story forward a little bit more, so I like that they're doing that, and the roster looks beautiful, seeing Mega Man, of course, in there, that was really cool, because I'm a big Mega Man guy, so I like that this is going to feel different than previous versions of Marvel vs. Capcom. Of course, you know, moving on, we got to look at Call of Duty World War II, more, you know, more of that, uh, release date November 3rd, God of War, early 2018 release date, I'm excited about God of War, I like the fact that this takes on more of a Norse mythology. I talked about that last year when we covered E3, how it has that Norse mythology and how Kratos is more of not really somebody who's going to fly off the sea, the you know, fly off the handle so easily. He's going to be more grounded. Uh, there's that kind of mystery involving his son, which is kind of like you know, could it be his son's looking to get his father's approval? Could it be something up with his son in terms of just powers or whatever? We don't know. But a game I know you and I, James, looking forward to the most. In, in terms of just what Sony's bringing, Detroit become human. 
man, and they gave us a little bit different look at it this year than they did last year, which I think is something that they were kind of lacking in the conference as a whole, is that you gave us a look of, okay, first it was like, okay, the androids are police officers, and it's going to be a, a choose-your-own-adventure type game where it's certain things, you do certain things one way, and it'll change the way the game is going to go going forward. Now it's like, hey, the androids are uprising, and uh, it, it's going to be a very much... Part that uprising is going to be the main part of the story, but of course you still got that element of if you do it this way, this is what will happen. If you do it this way, this is what will happen. So they gave you that aspect, but they also told you this is what the story is going to be like as well. So I'm not saying it was like a changing of focus on what the story was going to be from last year, but what I'm saying is is that the hype certainly didn't go away, and I'm certainly ready to play the hell out of this game over and over and over again. Yeah, and of course, we got to look at the opposite side. Of course, last year's trailer dealt with an android named Connor who was in the middle of a hostage situation. But this time, we got to look at Marcus and North who look to be, I don't want to say resistance fighters, but kind of more revolutionists yeah. and wanting to start the android revolution, which to me, when you know Marcus talks about how, like, let's go release our friends, I'm like, wait a minute. Is there an underlying story of this Apple-esque corporation is stealing actual humans mm -hmm. and turning them into androids and selling them. And it seems like a, especially if you take last year's information, this year's information, it seems like a, can you play both sides here? Can you play both sides at the same time? Can you right. play one side at one point and then go back and replay the other side at the other point? Or is this a, you can play both sides? Because if you can play both sides at the same time in the course of the story mode of this game, that could make things really interesting. Yeah, man. I mean, that's going to be really cool. Of course, you know, it's like a Telltale game, very decision-based. It's going to change how the game possibly ends and just what happens within it. So it's like, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how people are going to play it. And one thing I hope that they have in this game, something that the Telltale games have, where after each chapter, you can have, they have these these graphs, and they show like how, what percentage of people did this decision, you know, what percentage of people did that decision. So it's, you know, it's kind cool. of, you know, like for example, like in Telltale's Batman, one of the decisions you have to make is, do you give this certain key information to Detective Gordon, or do you give it to Vicki Vale? And at the end, it says, like, 60% of people gave it to Commissioner Gordon, and the rest of the people gave it to Vicki Vale. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it'd be pretty cool to kind of see where the choices line up. I'm very excited for that. But, like, man, they, they ended the conference with a game that we were looking forward to. We're like, we want, we want more information in terms of the story. We saw the first look of it last year. This is the reason why I'm happy that I have a PS4. This is why I'm happy that this is a PS4 exclusive, because I'm just that selfish, uh, is Spider-Man. And, of course, it looks gorgeous, first of all. It looks a lot like the Batman Arkham games, except, of course, you're in more, uh, you're in sunlight, and you're not, it's not dark, and... You know, you're taking on Mr. Negative, who looks to be the main antagonist, possibly. Miles Morales was teased at the end. It's going to be released in 2018. My biggest fear for this game overall is, and I think you might carry the same fear, uh, is that this is going to be more like an Uncharted sandbox game, where you have these kind of open areas, but not really open. You still have to go along a linear path. Uh, whereas with an open world like Spider-Man 2... You could just swing all over New York if you want right. to, pretty much everywhere. You know, that's my my big fear, and my also kind of a big fear of mine for is, is two other things, which is I want this to be where I can swing and swing and swing and not have to touch the ground, 
And I also want to be where I hope that the webbing is not limited, so where you have to keep on refilling your cartridges. Yeah, that would be annoying, and I and I realize maybe that's part of the skill of the gameplay, but at the same time, I don't think that that's the skill that you need. That would be like if Batman could only use his grappling hook so many times in the Arkham game before you had to like replace the grappling hook or something. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I really hope they don't do that either. I do hope it's open world. Um, even if they make it like a progressively open world, I think that would be fine too. Like, okay, you can explore the entire world, but you've got to pass this point before you can enter this particular section of the world. I'd be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think you have to make this open world because it's Spider-Man and being able to swing all over the joint, I think is part of the whole, you know, fun aspect of this game. So I don't know why you would leave that out. Now, you don't have to, you know, just let people swim. And maybe you make it a skills challenge. You know, you put skills challenges in where you've got to be able to, like, squeeze through certain portions of buildings and then you acquire that skill if you do it correctly or something like that, you know? Or, well, again, going back to Spider-Man 2, the movie game, you know, have missions where in between the main story missions, you can go and stop burglaries. You can go and stop carjackings from happening. Side missions, yeah. Side missions, yeah, exactly. You know, you can do that. That would be great. But the movements look fluid. They look great. The fight mechanics look, again, very Arkham-esque, which I love. Because I think the art of all the kind of action fighting games, if you will, uh, Arkham has the best fight engine. So I like that. I love that type of fluid kind of fighting gameplay. And just the movements looks great. And also, again, Miles Morales teased at the end. So, you know, judging by this, is it, is it an older Peter Parker we're dealing with? Could Peter Parker die? Could will Miles Morales be a DLC? What's your take on Miles Morales, man? What do you think they're going to do with him in this? I think we're looking DLC. I think it's going to be very much a Arkham Catwoman type deal where, you know, you play. You, there was Catwoman missions that you could do. Yeah. I think they're very much going to do that with Miles Morales. But maybe you kind of put a mentoring aspect into the game as well where Peter's mentoring Miles Morales and then eventually that leads to a uh, Insomniac Miles Morales-based Spider-Man game as well. So, I mean, I think you could set this up for a franchise just like Arkham, and I'm sure that they wouldn't mind doing that. So if you want to do it that way, I think that that would be really cool. So I think DLC is probably the option here, or make him playable at some point. But if he's not playable, I think that's going to be a letdown too. If he's not playable, it's going to be a huge letdown for me. My my hope is that if it is DLC, my, my big hope is that it's kind of pre-order DLC because yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want to have to pay for it because it's one of those things where, like, you, again, going back to Arkham, you had, like, the Harley Quinn DLC. That was very disappointing. Same thing with the Batgirl DLC. Very disappointing. Uh, so my hope is that if you're going to give me this DLC, which is going to add a few more missions, and also the way Arkham did it was very bullshit because you're basically – the DLC, You're the, the first scene in fucking Arkham is – Catwoman stealing and getting caught by Two-Face. So that, that that DLC, by not having it, cuts out that very important scene. So I hope that they don't do that bullshit where it's like, if you don't pre-order in time, then, you know, you don't get the scene. You know, if it is pre-order content, which is fine, just make it, like, to the point where it won't affect the game. If you want to make it, like, an, an exterior story mode outside of the main story, then do that. Uh, unless, of course, at the end, Spider-Man dies. Like, who, who knows? Maybe at the end... Spider-Man dies, Peter Parker dies, and Miles Morales takes over from there. And then it's kind of like when you beat a game, you know, like a new story mode opens up. So maybe you beat the game, and then all of a sudden you got like the Miles Morales story you can play. Right, exactly. Exactly. I, th- I think that's it. So what were your thoughts on Sony? I thought that 
last year was way better. I thought it was just, you know, there was no heart to it. You get, of course, Spider-Man Detroit Become Human, awesome. Everything else was like, I saw this last year. Yeah. It just doesn't blow me away. I mean, Marvel vs. Capcom, great, but we already knew about that kind of thing. So, no no talk of the indies. I mean, Call of Duty, yay. Um, you know, it's just, it was very blah for me. Yeah, it was, it, that's the thing, man. It, again, it just was one of those things where it's kind of like, okay, cool, we've seen this before, and we saw it last year, so my hope is going into 2018 Z3. I mean, basically by that point, Hopefully, you know, Sony would have no choice by saying, okay, we have to show a bunch of new IPs because all of our 2018 stuff is gone. So hopefully this causes them to show more IPs, show more brand new IPs, more original ones. Uh, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But coming up next, but come next, we're going to close out our recap of E3 by talking about the company that closed it out. We're talking about Nintendo. That's coming up next. Hey, what's up? This is Brandon Champ Robinson, the director of the Harley Quinn web series, and you're listening to the coolest nerds ever on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, James, we've come to the end of our E3 recap for the year, of course, 2017. Time to look at one last company, and of course, that company being Nintendo. And I gotta say this, man, I know the phrase winning might not apply to certain conferences because yeah in the end we are the winners of gamers are the real winners of this but i gotta say it nintendo far and away blew me away uh when it came to their conference and not only that they gave me reasons to go out and buy a switch in the in the late fall i'm gonna be completely 100 percent honest here pull the curtain back when we were putting our E3 show together, we saw the list of the conferences, and we usually go in order like we do every year. I looked at Nintendo at the end, and I went, man, I really am worried about closing with Nintendo based on what they've brought the last couple years. And then Nintendo said, don't worry, we got you, and came out and swung for the friggin' fences and knocked it not just out of the park, but completely out of the stadium with so much original content. Yeah, you want to talk about giving you reason to buy a Switch? There was quite a few reasons to go out and buy a Switch and a 3DS if you haven't gotten one already. I mean, let's just, I'm going to run through them right now. Of course, you had Super Mario Odyssey where you can control others with your hat. I've always wanted to control a T-Rex in my life. Now I can. Uh, we're going to be getting a new Pokemon RPG. It's going to be made for the Switch, so I'm excited about that. We're going to get a new Kirby side-scroller, a new Yarn Yoshi game, and, of course, the game that we were talking about, that we were saying, we need a new one, Metroid Prime 4 is happening and is being developed right now for Nintendo Switch. And then when you thought that that was it, you're like, all right, finally we're getting a Metroid game for the Switch. Oh, I'm so happy. i got to go out and get a Switch before this comes out. Then Nintendo was like, oh, wait, if you stuck around for the treehouse afterwards, then they announced... Metroid Samus returns for the 3DS and they show you gameplay. I'm like, oh my god, this looks absolutely amazing. So now I have to go out and buy a Switch and a 3DS. Kind of unfortunate for me and anybody <laughs> else who doesn't own all of them. But hey, thank you, Nintendo, for going out there and grabbing us back. They are back, man. I'm going to say it right now. Nintendo is 100% back. The former kings want their throne back, and I'm so glad to see them making such a huge effort right now. When it comes to buying the Switch and the 3DS, two words, tax 
Right off. Okay, it's three, but still, you get my point. <laughs> well, one of them's kind of hyphenated, so I still think you're good. Yeah, okay. It's technicality there, so go either way. But no, I mean, I love Kirby. Kirby's one of my favorite yes. games I play on the Game yes. Boy. And the fact that it's a Kirby, you know, multi- it has a four-player co-op, too, and it's a side-scroller. You know, that's the thing. You think Nintendo, you think side-scroller. You also think, you know, arcade cabinets with Donkey Kong and everything like that. But New Yarn Yoshi... That looks great. Like, this is what Nintendo I wanted. Nintendo, like, I have a PS4. So when it comes to third-party games, I'm going to go more for just the PS4 route because it looks better on my on that PS4 that I have. But when it comes to Nintendo, I buy Nintendos mostly for first-party games. So the fact that we're getting a new Mario, a new Metroid, new Kirby, new Yoshi, and then, you know, we, we already have a new Zelda game. Like, this is what I wanted. You're giving me what I want, and now if you make some new Donkey Kongs, you mean a better Star Fox, like, mm-hmm. I will fall back in love with, with Nintendo, because I already have, I think. Because, again, I am going to go buy a Nintendo Switch. It's going to happen. I'm going to buy one towards the end of the year, you know, around holiday time, because that's when a lot of these games come out. Yep. And, and your bundle factor there as well. Don't forget that. Well, here's the thing. They didn't bundle Zelda. I don't believe they bundled Zelda with the Switch, so maybe they'll do a bundle with Mario. That's my big hope is that yes. they, they do that with Mario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, either way, man, I'm happy. Nintendo is back. Of course, you had Rocket League coming to the Switch as well. Zelda the Master Trials DLC is just coming as well. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 looks amazing. Fire Emblem Warriors was shown. That looks awesome. You said it. Nintendo is back. To me, Nintendo had, I think, the best E3 of all these companies. Absolutely. And, and and I look at you know what they did. And again, when they announced the Switch last year, when they announced all these different things, I'm like, okay, you're going to have this limited library. Until this library builds up, I'm not going to buy a new console because... Again, I think the $300 price point for the games they have out now is a lot to ask it's for, tough, especially, yeah. especially when you're not bundling them. I think it's kind of why they didn't bundle Zelda and why they might bundle Mario is because the library isn't that good. So they figure if we were to give them a Zelda game, nobody's going to go buy Just Dance. Nobody's going to buy you know these other games that have came out with it already. So we had to make Zelda a separate purchase. But either way, man, I can't wait to get my Joy-Cons and I can't wait to get the multicolor Nintendo Switch in the fall because I am super psyched about this. And it's just... And I mentioned this to you last night via text. I said, it just feels right seeing Nintendo back on top, you know? It absolutely does. And I mean, Nintendo also took other things to the next level. Like we found out Skyrim's coming to Nintendo. But wait, there's more. You can play Link in Skyrim. And then there's your Amiibos, which are still relevant now because of this this thing. So you're going to have Link in Skyrim. Not to mention, probably the most environmentally interactive Mario game we're ever going to get. And you want to talk about open world. It just it almost seems like when, you were sh- when they were showing the gameplay demo, that Mario Odyssey has the largest world of any Mario game ever. They stopped short of actually saying it, but the more gameplay that you saw, it's like, this is like literally one world, and you guys have been going for 30 minutes, and it doesn't even look like we've seen nearly the entire thing. So I can't wait to get my hands on Mario Odyssey. The, the only thing that could make me want to jump in my vehicle right now and run out and buy a Switch right the second as if they said, guess what? We're going to do what we planned on doing with the Wii originally. We're going to make NES and SNES games available for 
for purchase in some sort of a cloud system that you can download onto your Switch and you could play the first gen games as well. Because if I you get me classic content and that would immediately make your library explode. So if you do that and then start bringing games like this to the forefront already, you got me like now. Well, here's the thing is we might get that. We don't know yet, but we might get that because they haven't talked about online play or community play or anything like that or just things you can do online. So maybe 2018 they roll out the fact that I believe in 2018 they said they're going to roll out and they're going to talk more about their online stuff. So 2018 E3, maybe we get them saying, you know, Reggie fils on stage saying, hey, you love SNES, you love NES. Hell, I'm going to go as far as Nintendo 64. You can get all those games now and download them on your Switch for like five bucks or whatever, you know, get a pair or, or, or bundle like, like, get like an NES bundle and just be like, Hey, for five bucks, you can get like these 10, 20 NES games or whatever, anything like that. I'd be sold on. Right. Like you could do sports bundles or you could do, you know, like the, the old Konami bundle or something like that. And you get, you know, life force and Contra and stuff like that together. Or you could even do singles too. You, you wouldn't have to shy away from that. There's plenty of Mario bundles to do as well. What about this? Speaking of Mario bundles, what if they did like Nintendo arcade bundle where you got the original Donkey Kong? Yeah, let's do that. Let's yeah. absolutely do that. Like you see those games all the time. Like here, here's like twenty Atari games for your PS4. You know, you can buy you can buy right. those those discs. So you could do something similar to that in a in a in a cloud service or something like that, or like something similar to Steam or something like that. This is the one thing that's that's not making me jump in my car right now and go buy a Switch is that. But if you tell me I can get that and I can get Zelda now, and then you tell me by the time I'm done with Zelda, that's when Mario and Kirby and all those other games are going to start coming out that I'm really looking forward to. And, and, and I'm in because I know that by the time I'm done with this, I've got that to look forward to. And by then, I've also recouped my money. Exactly, man. So, I mean, Nintendo just nailed it. They hit it out of the park. I'm a big Pokemon fan, so I cannot wait to see what the new RPG is. But... Before we wrap, dude, before we close everything out, let's just give our rankings real quick. Uh, go in any order you want. I'll go first. So, of course, I just said it, Nintendo, number one. Reason why? Because they made me want to go out and buy a Switch. I am going to buy one in the late fall because of just all the games that they mentioned. I cannot wait for fucking Metroid 4 because that's just going to be so... That's where a lot of my time is going to be. Between that and I think Super Mario Odyssey, that's where my, my real time is going to be put into in terms of gaming. Two is, is Ubisoft because it just, again, we mentioned Assassin's Creed and all other stuff. Microsoft for me was number three because while it does have 22 exclusive titles coming, a lot that I noticed were launched and timed exclusives. Uh, none of the games also, again, made me regret buying a PS4 instead of an Xbox One. Uh, four for me was Sony basically because all they showed for the most part was stuff from last year, a couple of new things and some DLC and VR games. EA for me was five because as somebody who's a big sports gamer, you know, I want more of an explanation of things that are coming to FIFA and Madden. Like, hey, and Madden, you know, we have where you can, you know, last year was the running back sticks and how you can plant and move and stuff like that and spin. Now we have that, but for a D lineman, you know, just whatever. I wanted that kind of like discussion. I want to see actual gameplay because the game's coming out in like a couple of months. So it's like, you know, gameplay yet? It's kind of shocking to me. Uh, Bethesda for me dead last so I'm not so pissed as I am more disappointed 
because Bethesda is one of my favorite publishers and one of my favorite companies in terms of gaming. And there's no new IPs. They didn't show Starfield. It was just, as you mentioned earlier, a glorified extension of games from years ago. And again, the whole time they held it, there was no need for that. It could have been earlier. It could have been, you know, 8 o'clock East Coast or whatever if they wanted to. There's no reason to make it that late, especially when you have nothing new to bring to the table in terms of just IPs. Uh, So overall, again, I'm just disappointed in Bethesda this year. They really dropped the ball for me. All right, well, as far as I'm concerned, it's not even close. Nintendo won E3, not just because they captured that nostalgia that we all love from the games and characters that they've built up over the years, and they've earned the right to be able to use those same characters over and over and over again because they've made so many good games in the past. So Nintendo, number one, absolutely. And it makes you, what's the one thing you want out of E3? If you don't already have the console, it makes you want to go buy the console and that's exactly what I want out of Nintendo Switch. Number two, also for me, is is Ubisoft. Just because Skull and Bones, even if it is a PvP, it looks like one of the most epic pirate games that we've ever seen. And then Beyond Good and Evil 2, we know we at least have that to look forward to. And there's so many other... And Far Cry 5 actually makes me want to jump into the Far Cry fr- franchise, which is something I haven't done before because it's very, very interesting. Number three for me... And this was kind of closer than I thought it was going to be to being number two, and that's Microsoft, because look at all the new stuff you gave me and the variety of what you gave me as well. Not just stuff like Anthem, but stuff like Sea of Thieves, which looks really fun. And you know, I know Assassin's Creed is going to be a cross-platform thing, but you very much featured that. Crackdown looks great. Maybe we'll actually get Cuphead when we're supposed to be getting it. Who knows? The focus on indie gaming, I think, is very, very important for Xbox, and the and I'll say it again, backwards compatibility, hugely, hugely important going forward. Maybe not so much now, but certainly going forward. After that, I'll agree, it's Sony, and the only reason for that for me is because of Spider-Man and Detroit Become Human, because you really gave me nothing else. Am I excited for God of War? Yeah, but I thought their footage last year from God of War was way better than the footage this year. I, I felt it more. And as far as they didn't really focus on indie gaming a whole lot. I mean, yeah, you, so you throw another Call of Duty in my face. Yeah, it's exciting that Marvel vs. Capcom is coming. There was no wow factor at all in their presentation. It was just a bunch of trailers. It looks like it was thrown together. They even had audio difficulties in the beginning of the thing. So it seems like they were falling down the stairs from the start. So I don't know if that affected it or what, but... They just didn't bring it like they did in in past years. And like you were saying about Bethesda, I feel like I was more disappointed by it than I was upset by it. EA is is next in line for me only because of how terrible Bethesda was. Um, I I get that their big reveal was Anthem, and they had to hold off for Xbox for that. So, I mean, I guess that that could have pushed them up. I think that the Star Wars Battlefront 2 stuff is a huge step in the right direction. I love uh, the, the Battlefield 1 uh, for the for the czars of Russia, I think that that's really cool. But then you disappoint me with a way out. That could have been cooler. I think Need for Speed, yeah, it's like Fast and the Furious, but the crew too for Ubisoft looked better because you had more stuff that you could do. I agree with you. The footage for the uh, for the sports games, where the hell is it? It's coming out in like less than two months, and you don't have gameplay footage, or you're not going to prop that up a little bit. I don't understand that. And and Bethesda is the stinking pile in the corner of the room that I can still smell from here. Because you literally gave me nothing but sequels 
and you know expanded DLCs I guess we can call them now because yeah it's it's the same game but it's different and you're giving me Nazis and VR and stuff that you've seen a million times before thanks for nothing Bethesda I'm sure glad I stayed up for that so I mean it just the gap is so wide between first and last it's crazy and speaking of gaps I'm a PlayStation guy just like you are but I feel like Microsoft's starting to crawl their way up and start now. It's not a big gap close, but they are closing the gap now on Sony and PlayStation. So as, as I know that the catalogs are, are somewhat similar and the PlayStation exclusives are probably better once you match them up. But don't get cocky, Sony. Don't get cocky, PlayStation. Think just because you're king now, you're going to stay king no matter what you do. Because that's the same mistake that Marvel made, and look what happened there. And that's going to do it for our discussion and our recap of E3 2017. But hey, if you want more of us during the week, be sure to go to facebook.com slash down and nerdy. We have a bunch of other nerd stories as well that we didn't talk about this week. And hey, if you missed anything from E3 or if there was something we didn't discuss this week that you want to know about, it's all going to be all right there on our Facebook Facebook.com slash Down and Nerdy. You can also find us on Twitter at Down and Nerdy 757. I'm on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Merc with One Arm. I'm at James Ace Witham. That's W I T H A M. Just on Twitter, though, by the way. But if you want to find everything we've got going on, very easy at Down and Nerdy Podcast.com. You love a certain game from E3 and you want to buy it? Bam, right there on our front page, we've got links to buy all of the games and pre order them all from Amazon. And if you're a Prime member, by the way, you get a little bit of a discount on some of these games, 20% off discount. So if you want to save a little bit of money by pre ordering these games, you could do that on Amazon right from our website, downandnerdypodcast.com. And to close this week's show, I'm going to do something a little bit different. To quote Mario, Nintendo, you are number one. Yoo-hoo!